this way from the Columbia area, and we're so thankful that you've chosen to be with us this morning. Good to have Mr. Tyler with us. Uh, that's, that's the barber's uh, nephew, and good to have your parents, your, your little brother with you, Sammy. Good to have you with us, man. Glad you guys are here. So good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? So good to see some of you back for the first time in a little while. And I'm glad that we can offer a, uh, a safe place for you to come and worship with some distance between the roles and all that good stuff. Um, how many know we serve an awesome God? Well, amen. We serve a phenomenal, magnificent, wonderful, glorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm thankful, Dre, that you chose that theme of awesome. Because when I think of God, so many times people put God in a box. Come on. So many times we, we limit God to what our mind can believe that he can do. Right? So we put God into abilities of human form thinking only God can do what my mind's capability can allow him to do. And Sorry boys, but it's one of them days. But the reality is, is that God is capable of doing the unthinkable, the unimaginable. The Bible says that, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're above our ways. In other words, God is awesome. I mean, when we think that God can only do something, we step into small situations and we think, oh God, I don't know if I can make this, and we only... Allow God to do what our mind says he can do, then we limit God because God can take the ordinary. He can take what we think is just common and he can make the extraordinary. Amen. He can do what no one could ever think he could do. I mean, do we forget that we serve a God who spoke into existence all this creation? I mean, if God can speak and change the atmosphere in just a word, how much more can God speak into your situation and touch your life and transform your situation and know that God is a mighty God capable of doing the unthinkable? Amen. I don't know about your situation, but I know where I came from. I know that God... It had to be a God moment. It had to be God that brought me out of the miry clay. It had to be God that, that took my life and transformed me. It was only God is in his capabilities that was able to save a wretch like me. Come on, somebody. None of y'all was a wretch, was you? Y'all don't even know what a wretch is, huh? <laughs> yeah, God took a wretch. An old sinner, someone lost on the wrong path, and he turned me around just like he turned you around. That's my God, amen? That's who our God is. He, he not only is the creator, but he's the sustainer. I mean, how many of you could live life in, in his kingdom plan without him? Crickets. It's like the frogs outside at night singing to each other. We can't. There's, we don't have the ability to live a Christian life. No one has the ability to live a Christian life without Christ Jesus 
direction and empowerment and the Holy Spirit's anointing on your life. We don't have the ability, and if you're trying to do it on your own, then you have missed the point that He is the sustainer of life. He's able to keep that which is entrusted to Him. And if your life is in your own hands and you think that you're the only ability that can save your life and to supply for your life, then you have greatly mistaken because He's the only source. Amen? Y'all believe that? So he's not only my savior, he's not only my creator, my sustainer, but he's my savior, he's my redeemer. I thank God because I know where I came from. I thank God that I can look back and say this is what I was and this is who I am. Amen? Too many times we get to a place in our life where we, we end up in a plateau. We end up to a place where we think, well, we've arrived and we've made it. But let me tell you something, we are only being perfected. We are not perfect we, ha- we don't get it all right all the time. We're just trusting fully, trusting in the Savior's love. Come on, somebody. Doing what I can for my heavenly dove. Amen. I'm just getting ready. I'm getting ready. Somebody say, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready because I want to know that I know when Jesus steps out on the clouds of glory that I I can say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to step out with you, Lord. I'm going to go up with you, Lord. I'm not going to let this world hold me back. I'm not going to let death, hell, and the grave keep me from walking in the presence and power that God has anointed me and appointed me for. Come on. Amen. I'm throwing out some old songs for y'all right then, huh? And so when I think that that we serve an awesome God, that awesome God chooses ordinary people. Isn't that crazy? Why wouldn't God go after the extraordinary people? Why wouldn't he just, I like these eyes. I like this a little bit. Boy, I'd smack somebody if I see them nodding off, I smack upside the head a little bit. Come on. A little snoring over here. Yeah, boy. <laughs> that made me lose my thought. But to think that God chooses people like us. I mean, when we look at biblical characters, we think of all these, you know, massive awesome people that did extraordinary things and then you look at their lives and where they came from their backgrounds and you realize man they were just broken people who God brought out of their brokenness and used them to do extraordinary things I mean you think of David you think of Gideon you think of all these different ones that God used and it's amazing that God was able to use those folks and guess what the same God who used them is the same God who wants to use you Amen? It's good to see our young people and children in here this morning on our family Sunday. I'm glad you're in here. You want to preach? Get your microphone. I know you got that word in you this morning. You know, it's something that I thought of when I thought about God choosing ordinary people as I thought about Gideon. And I know that I've preached on Gideon before, but something that came out of my mind, Chad, that I haven't seen before or haven't really preached on before stuck out to me. And and what I looked at is that, you know, Gideon was ordinary. Gideon was probably one who felt unworthy. Uh, He says it in his his own words that I'm the least or the youngest and all these things. And, And what I recognize is that that, that he had to confront some things in his life. How many know that, that when God calls you, you've got to confront some things? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you gotta you gotta look and 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 and, and you've got to be able to look and say, look, that's not what God said. That's not how God's plan is. That's not what God wants, right? And, and so when I think about what he had to confront, I'm, I'm looking in, in Judges chapter 6, and I'm, I'm looking through verse 12 and through verse 14. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? What is this, the old saying? If, if if and buts were candy and nuts, it would be Christmas all year long? Right? I mean, I mean, think about it. How many of you guys have had to, had to deal with God in that way? If God, you know, the Lord says something to you, if, if that were true, God, why? How many of you had to ask God why? Some of y'all ain't telling the truth. I mean, if God... If you're God, if you're with me, then why has these things happened? Where are you now, God? I mean, in this time frame, when we are in, somebody was talking, one of the young people were talking uh, yesterday, they're talking about, you know, we've never been here before. I said, actually, we probably have. When you think of the pandemic, there were in the early 1900s, there were millions who died from plague, right? And, 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 in, the, and in the 60s, there were racial-infused uh, riots that went on that burnt down Atlanta and caused you know, major riots in L.A. and all this. We've been here before. This is not a new thing. Now, what might be new is that it all happened at the same time. Some people have been shut up in the house way too long, got too much time on their hand, right? Amen. But the reality is, is that when, when we're in the middle of all the chaos and we're looking and, and we're seeing all the craziness going on around us, we scratch our heads saying, what's going on, God? If, if you are God, if you're the Lord, why is this happening in my community, why is this happening in my nation? Why is this happening in my world? Where are you, God, in the middle of this? Come on, somebody. So, so Gideon had legitimate questions that he was asking. He recognized that this was the Lord. He said, oh, my Lord. Some of y'all saying, oh, my Lord, right? Oh, my Lord, uh, what's going on here? What's happening but oh my Lord. So in the middle of this, where did Gideon get this word? And I have to really go back that, that even, though, even though they were in a crisis moment of morality, even in the, though they were in a moment where they had waned from God and turned their backs on God, 
there was still a religious factor that they were being discipled in. They were still a form of learning to know truth. And, and so you had to know that every Hebrew boy would understand Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, right? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and strength. He understood that. He probably could quote that. He could probably go back and understand that in that word they were told Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, verse 6, this word which I am commanding, uh, commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Oh, come on. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. I would say sons and daughters, right? And shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as, as the frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Too many times we're waiting on somebody else to teach our children truth. And all along, it's God's given responsibility for parents to take this word and show the, live it out, teach it diligently. I'm not talking about getting your daily bread out from your little daily bread thing on your table and just reading one scripture here. Now, I'm talking about getting into the word of God, discipling your children, teaching them truth. How will they know truth if you're not teaching them? How can they understand God's plan if you're not living it out before them? If we take every other thing in the world and we put priorities on those things, how will our children know that God is the priority of our life? How will we know that God should be the number one thing above all things? Amen? Now look, I'm not being condemning here. I'm trying to put a point of perspective in mind. Because... When you look at our society, we can't expect our society to teach them Christian values any longer. There might have been a point in our society where the Bible was used as the literature book. And they could read that, and they would learn from that, and they would gain understanding from the Word of God as they were learning English, and as they were learning science and history and all those things. But that's not there anymore. And, and, and the more people stop having Sunday school, oh boy, I'm about to preach now, the more people stop attending places where they can truly dig into the Word of God and, and gain an understanding of truth through the Word of God, then how are we expected to engage one another in truth and learn from each other and grow from the Word of God if we're not spending time and opportunities to learn from the Word of God? Amen? Amen? I mean, it's amazing, you can call certain events and 150 people show up, but if you call a prayer meeting, five show up. Mmm, Jesus. Come on. Y'all want me to preach this morning? Y'all, I'm just preaching. Is that all right? Y'all love me? My, my notes were on two yellow sticky notes. It's all right. Because when God puts a word in your heart, it's what you got to speak. Amen? Amen. 
You shall teach them diligently. I mean, the thing is, is that too many in society have gotten so comfortable in their own skin that they're not willing to allow God to change anything in their world. I mean, if you look at Romans, I mean, sorry, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it says, verse 12, Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. I mean, why, why was it that they were to learn these things? Why was it that they were to uh, be discipled through the word of God? It was to keep them that when they found themselves in the promised land, when they found themselves in prosperity, when they found themselves high on the hog, living, life, living life's dream, that they would not forget God's word. We live in a nation that's probably one of the most prosperous nations in the world. And, and because of our prosperity, we find, we find ourselves in the same cycle that, that Israel found themselves. We've, we've been howling the hog so long that we've forgotten what brought us here. We're for, we forgot the foundations that was set that allowed us to be the great nation that we were. We, we forgot the fact that we've been the most blessed nation in the world. We have blessed nation after nation after nation. When the world's in trouble, when there's, a, uh, when there's a genocide or when there's a problem in the world, even the people who hate us call us to help them out because we're blessed. And the reason we've been blessed is because of the foundations that were set before us. It is through God's plan, through God's word. And a nation that has forgotten its God, come on somebody, how can it continue to walk in the blessings of the Lord? I'm just thankful, I'm just thankful that we still have some people that are seeking God. Because God's a gracious God, amen? I mean, he looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, and he looked back, if I can find how many? And I believe that there's still an idea that there's some people that we can, we can count on who are still believing for God. I still believe that if people will humble themselves before the mighty hand of God, that God can still change the atmosphere even today. Amen? And so we can't forget. And so this was what's rolling through the mind of Gideon. Even though he had not seen God move in so long, even though he found himself under the oppression of the Midianites, even though he found himself uh, treading wheat in the, in the wine press, even though these people came down and wiped out everything he had, he still understood that God was still God. He didn't know why God was allowing this to happen. He didn't know where God was at. He even wondered if God was really going to help them. But in the same moment, he knew that there was God. I believe that if we'll get back to truly discipling our kids, if we'll get back to truly seeking the face of God, as the old word says, digging some old wells, let me tell you something, I'm not digging old wells to find old water, I'm digging old wells to find fresh water. Come on, because I still believe that God has something powerfully anointing for this generation in this day to do, amen? We can despise our young people, we can call them all kinds of names and say they don't understand, but the problem is the reason they don't understand is because we have not shown them the way. We need to seek the face of God, Amen? I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because we've got communion, and I want to make sure that we spend plenty of time praying for our kids. Is that all right? 
Amen. I get, I get, I get got on to when I look at my watch. Sorry. <clears throat> it is what it is. So he had to realize that, that God had a plan. He understood that God's word was true. He, 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 he looked at it and said, if, when, and where. And so he had to, he had to confront his own feelings. How many have ever felt abandoned before? God, why did you bring me here to just leave me? God, why did you allow me to step into this situation and, and then find myself all by myself? How many know that God's never left you nor forsaken you? He's never left you. He's right there with you. He wants you to understand some things, right? And, and you have to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 to understand that he wants us to, to learn something. Verse, verse 3, he humbled. Now let me go back to verse 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you and test you. Oh, my Lord. You mean the Lord allows us to go through the wilderness? Huh? Man, I thought, I thought when I got saved, man, I was going to drive a big fat caddy and live in a big, you know, come on somebody. I thought it was going to be big. I thought it was going to be good. God, you're going to bless me indeed. You're going to pour out all these blessings on me. I'm going to live life high on the hog. Everything's going to be glorious. Nothing's going to hurt me. Nothing's, hmm? Too many times we're, we're listening to, to words that really aren't real. They, they want to puff you up. They want to make you look good. They want everything to be hunky-dory. They want to make you sound like, you know, you're going to have your wallets full and everything else. But in reality is, is there's, there's times that we go through the wilderness. Somebody said, my season's been a lifetime journey. Come on. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult times. Why? Why do we go through that? Well, Sometimes the Lord just wants to see, will we trust him? Because he says, to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Our destiny is determined by how we respond to the crisis. If we're too busy criticizing, critical, tearing down everybody else that doesn't see things the way we see them, then guess what? We have turned our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're following down paths that will only bring division and destruction and there's no encouragement involved. And the Lord's saying, will you trust me even when you don't understand me? Will you walk in my truth even when things aren't right, even when things don't look good? Will you follow me? Amen? And so, so here is Gideon. He's having to, having to process all of that is going on because for seven years, all he has seen is this trials coming, the Midianites coming and robbing and stealing. And so he was frustrated and he didn't understand, God, why are you allowing these things? And sometimes we get in those places and we feel abandoned by God instead of saying, God, why in this situation, 
is this happening? And Lord, what do you want me to learn from it? How many know you can learn stuff, right? You can learn something from bad situations. You can learn when you touch that hot wire, when you're changing the breaker, that you should have cut the main off. And when your hair's a little curlier after you finish, you forgot to turn the main off. I mean, we learn things through bad situations. And, 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 and too many times, it's like, it's like a kid going up to a plug-in and plugging, you know, sticking their finger in it. It's like, whoo, oh, that felt good. Whoo, you know. Like, come on, kid. Don't you know that hurts? Yeah, whoo. <laughs> Do it again. And yet we walk in seasons where we're just constantly banging our head against the wall, wondering why we're here, instead of truly sitting back and saying, God, for whatever reason that I'm in this position, God, I humble myself before you. And Lord, teach me. Teach me what I need to learn in this situation. Lord, I'm not here to complain. I'm not here to gripe. But God, I know... These are the truths that I know about you. I know that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I know that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. So what I need in this situation, it may not be what I want. It may not be what I get. But what I need in this situation, you will be provider for me. I know that you will be that one who will make sure that I'm still alive in the end because you're with me. And so Lord... I might have to lose a few things along the way. I might have to get rid of some things along the way. But whatever reason I'm in this position, then Lord, I'm trusting you that you're teaching me and you're directing me and you're going to show me the way to get out of this position when I have learned all that I need to learn. God help us, right? So he had to confront his own abandonment. He had to confront the how. How, God, are you going to do this? How... How can you use me? How many know that we feel inadequate sometimes? Well, God, you know, this has been my past. I've done this and I've done that. And God, you know, how can you use me? I mean, look, too many times we're too busy belittling ourselves to realize that God has a plan for us and that God can take your broken pieces and put you into the position and place that He wants to put you and make your experiences something that He can use to touch somebody else's life. We're too busy condemning ourselves because of our past. And God's saying, look, let me use your past to fuel your future. Let me, let me use the, the wood from your past to set the fire, to offer the sacrifice that will be able to transform the lives of those around you. So he had to confront himself. He had to confront his own inadequacies. I'm too, I'm the youngest. I'm not able Listen, bro, how old are you? 25? 10? Did you know at 10 years old, you can be an evangelist of God? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? No? At 10 years old, you can learn this word. And I know you're already learning, ain't you? That mom and daddy's going, but you can carry this word. And you can be a voice to other 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds. How old was Jesus when he was found in the temple? 
well. Well, that was Jesus. No, I'm telling you. You're capable. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't anybody tell you you're too young to do this. You're too young. Look, we have disabled our children's ability to serve the Lord because we said, well, they're not old enough. But I don't know about you, but I remember getting baptized in the Holy Ghost at 11 years old. And I remember shouting and running and shaking, woo, hallelujah, at 11 years old. God's still God? Well, they don't understand. What? You calling your child dumb? The only inadequacy that they have is the fact that we haven't taught them and discipled them in the truth of God's word. We stick them in front of a door explorer trying to let them win, you know, little bitty things. And yet God's saying they are capable of learning more. They're capable of experiencing more from God if we would just take the word of God Train them up in the way they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. We've got to train them. We've got to teach them how to use the sword of the Spirit. And that the Spirit of the Lord can indwell them. Even at 9 and 10 years old, the Spirit of the Lord can indwell them. And they can use this sword to a mighty degree in the kingdom of God. Amen? Don't limit your children. Don't limit their ability. Don't hinder their growth. Amen. Amen. God help us, right? But not only did he have to confront his own abilities and his own inadequacies, but he also had to confront his family's past. Well, my daddy was this way, so this is the way I'm going to be. Huh? We're too busy allowing our families past to cripple us from the plan that God has before us. It takes courage to be able to confront the sins of the past. Amen. I mean, if you look at verse 25 of Judges chapter 6, it says, Now on the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. Come on. Sometimes we got to face even our father's sins, because the Bible says that the father ate the sour grapes, and their children's teeth were set on edge. In other words, your father's sin, yes, might affect you, but you don't have to continue walking in it. You've got to confront that and say, I will not continue walking in the past. I will not continue walking in the sins, whether it be abuse, whether it be alcoholism or drug addiction, whether it be whatever it may be, God's able to break the curse. I mean, some, so many times I don't think we realize, but there are familiar spirits that stick themselves to families and they walk in generational curses on families. And, and, and just like my own family, I look back and I see my great-great-grandparents, my uncles and aunts, my mom and dad, all of them have been divorced and remarried. And I said, in the name of Jesus, break the curse off of my family. Break the curse off of my children. Break the curse, God. And I'm so thankful that 
This past week, I got to celebrate 25 years. She's put up with me for 25 years. I know we married real young. But we, bless her heart. Amen. GT. I know the voice. But there are, there are cyclical generational curses that seem to try to plague our families and plague our homes. And we can fall into the rut of that. We can get down into the ugliness of life and, and, and just give up and say, well, it just, you know, this is just the way it has to happen. But I'm here to tell you, at what point do you buck up against the enemy and say, in the name of Jesus, this will not happen in my home. In the name of Jesus, I break the curse off of my family. I break the curse off of my children. I break the curse off of my community. I break the curse off of my church. In the name of Jesus, we shall live and not die in the name of Jesus. Break the curse. Break the curse. So he had to confront his own family demons that he had to fight against all the time. He woke up and saw those altars. He woke up and saw those Asherah poles. He saw that stuff. And in the name of Jesus, he broke those things down. But not only that, we've got to confront some societal sins. Come on. We've got to confront some societal sins. And when I look at this, I mean, here, here he is. He's tearing down the altars of his, not only his family, but he's tearing down the altars of his community. And what they do? They rose up early. And they came out. Who has cut these down? Who has torn down the altar to Baal? They were mad. They were looking to kill him. Let me tell you something. If the Lord is with you, you don't back down. If the Lord is with you, you stand firm in truth. If you, if you compromise truth, you will compromise everything. Amen? We've got to stand for truth. What is truth? This word is truth. The Bible says that the world and all of its contents will pass away, but my word will stand forever. There's something you've got to stand on, no matter what the world says, no matter what the world tries to intimidate you with, no matter how much they come and look at you and, and try to condemn you and tear your words down, this word will stand forever. And if you're speaking this word, there's no shame, there's no doubt, there's no fear, because the King of King and Lord of Lord is with you. He will defend you. He has got your back. Amen? Amen. But you know, the, the, the thing is, is that too many times we're fighting the enemy using the enemy's tactics. Hmm? We're trying to belittle the enemy. We're trying to tear down the enemy. We're trying, we're, you're using the enemy's tactics to try to defeat the enemy. But the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but made mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Come on. So there's a weaponry that we have, and I'm so thankful, man, that you said that. Our praise is a weapon. And, and I love the fact, I love the fact that when you read through, you keep on reading, Gideon never confronted the people in his community. He didn't go up there and say, nah, 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 I tore your altar down. 
Huh? He didn't go out there and antagonize them. He didn't go out there and try to make fun of them. He didn't go out there trying to belittle them. He didn't go out there condemning them. But what he did do is he turned his eyes to God. Because our praise is a weapon. And if you will begin to worship God, you'll begin to pray for your community, you'll begin to build altars for the Lord in the midst of the chaos of your community, and you begin to lift up His name in the middle of chaos, then guess what? God shows up. How does God show up? Well, guess what happened in this situation? The Midianites showed up. It could be that the enemy that has been antagonizing you for seven years could be just the factor that brings God's presence to light. Because he's been preparing you for seven years to face this giant. You heard me preach last, well, I didn't preach last Sunday, but you heard me share for a few moments last Sunday morning about Goliath. Goliath means to uncover or to reveal. And how many days did, did Goliath sit there and antagonize them? How many days did he sit there and just call them names and belittle them? And what was it revealing about Israel? Israel was sitting there hiding behind rocks, scared to death of an enemy because the enemy will reveal what's on the inside of you. Do you trust God or do you not? Do you believe God will deliver you or do you not? And in the midst of that moment of uncovering, David shines and says, who is this Philistine dog that you allow him to talk about our God in that manner? Come on. What, David? You little runt. What do you mean? How do you think you can stand against this giant? Let me tell you something. Me and God make a majority. Come on. Anytime God is on your side, you're the majority. And so therefore, he was able to, to look at the enemy and say, hey, God, I don't come with you in spirit and sword, but I come with you in the name of the Lord. Come on. And so, in the midst of all of this army coming against Gideon, he turned the attention of all of them to the enemy. Because God was with him. You know what's, what's amazing to me, Letty, is that, is that Gideon declared victory over the enemy before he ever stepped foot on the battlefield. Too many times we, we're thinking, well, we've got to have this many before we can do that. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God will whittle your numbers down just, to, just for you to understand it's not about you and your abilities. It's about him and what he can do. Amen? And so when you begin to confront your, yourself and say, I trust God because Hebrews eleven six 6 says, For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. I have to believe that God is God. I have to believe that he is capable of doing the unthinkable. Amen? And so I have to confront myself. I have to break down all of the uh, feelings of abandonment that I've had about myself. I have to break down all the imaginative things of I'm incapable and I'm not able. I have to confront that stuff and say, if God's God, then he's got me. Amen? And then I have to confront the demons of my past. Look, just because my family was this way doesn't mean that I've got to be that way. Just because they were uh, alcoholics or addict addicts or, or abusive or just because they were atheists or whatever they were, just because of them doesn't mean I've got to continue walking in that. In the name of Jesus, break the curse. 
And then I have to confront the, the demonics of my society and say, I am not battling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark age in the name of Jesus. I love my friends and neighbors. I love those around me, but I'm going to get on my knees before God, and I'm going to declare the word of God over them and over my community, and I'm going to break the curse of my community. And then I'm going to rage war. Because then, the Bible says in verse 34 of Judges chapter 6, that the, then the Spirit of the Lord came over him. Look, some of us, we want the Spirit of God to move so bad, but we're still entangled with too much junk of the past. We're still worried about what mom and daddy said or, or, or how they treated us or how they affected us. We're too busy worrying about, man, I did this and that. And God's saying, would you just trust me? Would you just turn your life? Look, you don't have to continue living in the past. You don't have to continue being bound uh, by, by what happened before. Paul said it this way, don't be entangled again, right? In other words, you've got to get untangled. You've got to get set free. And, and the Lord is able to set you free. And if the Lord has set you free, then you're free indeed. And if you're free indeed, then know that if God is with you, then you are capable of doing the impossible because he can take your ordinary and make it extraordinary. This morning, I don't know what you're having to confront. Drake, get, what are you doing sitting there? I don't know what you're having to confront. I don't know what you're having to, to face. Look, you might be 9 or 90 this morning and still struggling with things that, that have crushed you in your past. Still living out hurtful and broken things that took place in your past. And God's saying, will you trust me? Will you allow the words that, that you have learned from a child to be ingrained and engraved in your heart? And Psalms 118 says, I will hide his words in my heart that I will not sin against him. Those words that have been taught to you, and if you're my age, on a flannel graph in a classroom, that Mr. Miss Dot, as I was ADD sitting in her class, trying to teach those other kids and me bouncing off the walls. But she taught me. And I still remember, 40-something years later, Scripture that she quoted and had us learn as words and seeds planted in my heart. And though I have been through ups and downs, the journey has not always been climbing up the mountain. It's been falling down the mountain a few times. Those words have stuck true in my heart. And I'm still clinging to the old rugged cross. I'm still clinging to the words that are life and truth forever and ever. 
I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I, don't, I know we're going to do communion. I know we're going to pray with kids. I know all that stuff's going to happen. But this morning, there's some folks in this room who are overwhelmed with just living under the pressures of the past. And I'm just believing this morning that God's able to break the curse off of you. I'm just believing this morning that God's able to lift you out of the brokenness, the unforgiveness, or whatever that might look like for you, and He's able to bring wholeness and life into you this morning. If you, if you say, Pastor, this morning I need a touch from God. This morning, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling tugged at this morning because, because this message was for me. This, this is touching my heart. Don't be embarrassed. Because, let me, let me help you understand something. Every message that I preach has already touched me, and that's why I can preach it. So if you say, Pastor, this morning, that's me. There's some things that I have allowed to drag me through the mud, and I need, I need freedom this morning. Would you just raise your hand this morning? believe God's able to do that I believe God is able to bring freedom in your life you believe that God's able to break that curse you don't have to continue carrying around the baggage from the past matter of fact I, I started to grab one of those trash bags at the house full of junk and I was afraid it might stink And I was going to throw that thing on my back. Say, how many of you are still carrying around the garbage from your past? And you got, you, you got one hand up. Oh, God, I need you. And we're still holding so tight to the garbage of the past. And the Lord's saying, would you just drop that? When it says that, when the Word of God says that He will not put on you more than you can bear... It literally means that he gives you the ability to do this. He gives you the ability to let go. And too many of us are still clinging. We're still grasping. And we're pleading with God to help us to let things go. But in reality... Our action speaks louder than our words, and we're so clinging to the past. And God's saying, let it go. Let it go. You've been given a volition, a will to choose. You can choose to hang on to every hateful thing. You can choose to hang on to every hurt that has happened to you, or you can let it This morning, I pray that you let it go. Father, God, you saw hands raised. You saw even the little, the arms didn't raise. You saw the palms go up. And Lord, I know that if we were honest this morning, there are some hands and feet that would have went up because there's some things that we have struggled with. 
There's some things that, that we're still clinging to. There's some things that have shaped our processing, shaped our journey that we're still allowed to affect us. But today, in Jesus' name, we ask, break the curse. Today, we confront inadequacy. Today, we confront doubt and fear. Today, we confront generational curses. Today, we confront the, the influences that have shaped and molded us from society. We confront those things right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that, as you have said, that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. We ask that you remold, that you reshape, that you purge the imagery of the past out of us. Just as Gideon took the imageries and the altars and the idols and he crushed them and broke them down. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you break those imageries out of our mind and you loose us from the grasp of the enemy. And today, we ask that you set us free in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're an awesome God. Thank you that we can remember who you are and the words that have been planted in us. And Lord, I pray that we'll take up the challenge to instill the truths of your word into our children our grandchildren so that they may continue to carry the torch for the kingdom of God and for the king of glory in Jesus name amen